What is going on, everybody? We're here with the uh, the DFS pregame show. It's my first time doing this. Excited to be doing it. Uh, first time actually doing a solo show here at Roto Grinders. But you know, excited to talk about last night's wild slate that uh, that happened Thursday night, and looking forward to talking these games uh, Friday here for M- NBA DFS. So, first of all, we're gonna start off taking a look at last night's games. Obviously, we all know it was pretty crazy. Uh, I'm sure everyone's gonna be talking about some high cash lines, a lot of high scoring. I think it's honestly the highest scoring night I've ever seen. And that's going to happen when it's a five-game slate and all the chalk really has uh, exceptional games, really. So we're just going to take a look at some of these DraftKings ownerships. Um, start off with, do, with doing this real quick. If you guys have any questions, feel free to shoot those in the Discord chat. I'll be looking at that as the show goes on. I'll try to answer as many questions as I can. Hopefully we can uh, we can talk about some NBA DFS, talk about some strategy, some tournaments, um, some tournament strategy. We can try to cover it all here on Friday morning. Um, yeah, so let's get right into it. So we're going to start with, I have these uh, tournaments pulled up right now, as well as this cash game. I'm just looking at these ownerships. I'm sorting it by average ownership. Obviously, we see Michael Porter Jr. with the highest ownership, and he's obviously part of the reason we saw such a high cash line, you know. Um, when you have a guy that cheap um, to put up that kind of score, 47 points, obviously, at nearly 70% ownership, you know, you're going to bring cash lines up pretty high. So uh, I know for a fact for myself, there were a lot of lineups where, you know, I, if, if someone told me I was going to be putting up, you know, 400 uh, points in, in the Fandle line, I'd be like, all right, I think I had a pretty good night. And then it turns out you're uh, you're fighting for the min cash. So obviously a crazy night, but I'm excited to talk about that and then uh, and get forward, get a look at, get looking at uh, t- t- tonight's slate as well. So, yeah, so we'll start off with these, with these Denver guys, right? One and two, Michael Porter, Monty Morris. Those guys, they were, they were the clear-cut value options of the day. I think they were both pretty strong plays, so I could see why um, they were pretty popular. Uh, Monty Morris, we didn't see, uh, end up in the closing rotation, so we saw him lose out on some minutes, and therefore he wasn't as good of a play. Michael Porter, you know, he got really hot, so they, they just stuck with him in there. He had a monster game. I think it was his best career game. He had 18 points, 10 rebounds, and even five assists, so it was kind of doing it all. So obviously when he's uh, – in the game for those those additional minutes as well as you know he had to get the overtime minutes um so he just absolutely crushed that tag so here you can see the ownership is pretty high across across the board uh he definitely gets lower in some some contests where maybe people are having 150 lineups or the 20 max so that ownership obviously comes down a little bit you know people with more options they probably feel the need to or they feel the uh the ability to go a little bit lighter on the guy who's going to be so chalky you know I, i'm pretty calm people are aware of his uh, ownership going into it. So maybe that's why we see the ownership drop a little bit over there. But um, but yeah, as far as Monty Morris, it's kind of the same situation here. We saw Donovan Mitchell uh, be pretty popular as well. He was a guy who I called on the morning grind yesterday, the lock of the day on FanDuel. And I think that was the most obvious play of the day over on FanDuel. Pretty strong play as well on DraftKings. Obviously had a great matchup. Got up to an extremely slow start. But, um, but he was the guy who... Obviously, ended up getting there in a big way. The overtime game, the overtime helped him a little bit, but 62.5 fantasy points. Um, he had, I believe it was 41 real-life points at the end of regulation. So after starting really slow, I think he had 12 points or so at halftime. And then, as you can see, he got there in, in a pretty big way. So, yeah. Um, just going over some of these ownerships here. If you guys have any questions about last night's slate, you guys can shoot those in the chat. I'll answer those uh, as they pop up. Um, we could talk a little bit about some strategy. Talk a little bit about what kind of went down in in last night's last night's slate, and, and then we could talk about um, tonight's slate. So, as far as my personal strategy, I, I kind of saw that there was a lot of value in the mid tier. 
and that was kind of value coming from people just being underpriced. Uh, I do think there was some some strong value plays out there like like Michael Porter, like Monty Morris, but um, especially over on FanDuel, I thought guys like Donovan Mitchell, Ricky Rubio, um, even Lonzo Ball, I thought a lot of these guys were were extremely underpriced, so there's a lot of value in the mid-tier. So that was kind of my goal. Um, my, me personally, the, the top stud option for me was Giannis, who um, he got kind of a – it appeared it was going to be a little bit of a struggle with Giannis in the minutes as Milwaukee began to blow out uh, the Celtics early on. Luckily, the Celtics came back, forced kind of a close game here. And Giannis was able to get there. Uh, another guy who I thought was a really strong play was Brandon Ingram. Uh, looks like he got a lot more ownership on DraftKings than he did on FanDuel, which is interesting. Um, 37% nearly on DraftKings across all the contests on average. On FanDuel and in the contest that I was in, he was around 15 to like 17%. So a little bit of difference there. Uh, I thought he was a really strong play, um, even in a somewhat tough tough matchup. But getting those extra shots, getting those extra shots up, um, obviously with Drew, no Drew Holiday, no JJ Redick, is definitely going to help him in the long run. So uh, what's up, Lip? Uh, I did all right. Last night we're going to go over my lineups and in a little bit here. Uh, I had one main FanDuel lineup, and then I had one main DraftKings lineup that I'm going to pull up in a few minutes once we're done going over some of these uh, DraftKings ownerships. But – but yeah, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. It was a little bit of a struggle, you know. I like I said a little bit earlier, I put up 401 on FanDuel, and I thought, I, you know, someone told me I had 401 at the beginning of the slate. I'd be like, all right, it's going to be a pretty good night. But yeah, um, so a few standout guys for me, uh, Kemba Walker. If you guys were in Discord chat before um, the slate started yesterday, me and Blender were actually talking about this one, and we kind of thought that if you were going to be playing Giannis in a tournament, it made a lot of sense to have a Celtic in there with them, and Kemba was one that me and him mentioned. I mentioned Kemba and Gordon Hayward as the two I would choose from. So hopefully you guys uh, took Kemba and not Gordon Hayward. I know Gordon Hayward really struggled, played a ton of minutes, and I do think he was pretty pretty cheap um, or compared to the upside that I thought he had. But obviously it was a, it was a Kemba night. So hopefully um, you got Kemba in the lineup. That made a lot of sense from a tournament perspective, um, pairing Giannis with Kemba. Obviously if Giannis is going to hit that ceiling game, Needs, it makes sense to say that, hey, the Celtics are going to also keep this one pretty close, and a guy like Kemba can definitely do that for the Celtics. Um, interested, interesting to see Markel Fultz get you know significant ownership across the industry. I know that was a guy that I played a pretty good amount on DraftKings. Didn't get to him in my main FanDuel lineup, but obviously coming off the big triple-double against the Lakers, um, people wanted to get him back in their lineup 25, nearly 26% average ownership across these main uh, four four sites. So, yeah, that's another guy that kind of stood out ownership-wise. Uh, I honestly thought he would be a little bit lower owned. I just thought there were a lot of point guard options. Um, so, yeah, we, we can look at some of the top scorers here and see how their ownerships looked uh, as you look at the different the different contests. So, Ricky Rubio was probably, um, probably the top play on the entire slate from a, a tournament perspective when you consider price, leverage, and uh, – and ownership. So Ricky Rubio, obviously massive game. He was the, the third highest scorer in, on the entire slate. You get him at 8% average ownership across the, uh, the these main four contests um, and then the cash contest as well on DraftKings. So he was probably the top play of the slate. And he was just a natural pivot off of a guy like Lonzo Ball, who I thought was a good play as well, but um, on FanDuel specifically, because on, on DraftKings, he was a little bit more expensive. But um, Ricky Rubio, obviously in a good matchup, got a little bit of a, a run good. You know, getting 35 minutes in a blowout against the Knicks, being able to get those minutes was uh, was nice. We saw a guy like Devin Booker only see 28, but we saw Rubio get the 35. So that was obviously definitely helpful. 
um, DeAndre Ayton in the same game. He was the popular the popular center of the night. Um, he was the guy that in my main Fanduel lineup I decided to fade, which obviously that did not feel good um, considering I knew he was going to be uh, very popular, especially on Fanduel where you know you only get to play one center. He ended up coming in around thirty five to forty percent depending on the contest. So that was a fade that I made, and it didn't really work out. You know, I had to get different in some ways because Ricky Rubio even had some ownership over on Fanduel, so doing that kind of hurt. Will Barton, another really good play. Um, he obviously got helped a little bit by the overtime, but overall, he had a he had a monster game even before that uh, with no Gary Harris, no Jamal Murray at fourteen percent ownership. Um, he was a really strong play, and I think people kind of shied away from these two guys right here because of the the game environment that they were in, maybe a little bit of a fear of a blowout, but I think they were really strong plays. And I saw, personally, I saw a lot of guys that I see as top players uh, in the the NBA DFS industry pairing these two guys with D'Angelo Russell. So I think that was a really really strong uh, tactic there. I I know D'Angelo Russell had had a pretty strong game, nothing crazy, nothing that would kill a lineup, but I just saw that that was a common theme in in some lineups from players that I view as really strong players and guys that I kind of use to uh to study my own lineups. So um soccer set asks if combined ownership is the same and projected points about the same, would you rather one stud and one value or two mid range options? Um so that's that's tough because I I think it depends on how you value how safe you value that um that value play because in, in tournaments the median projection, you'll, you'll hear Blender talk about this all the time. I even heard him talk about it yesterday on the pregame show. Median projections don't matter really much at all. Um, so it's all going to depend on the kind of ceiling you view from that from that stud and from the mid-tier players and, and from the value players as well. It's all going to depend on the uh, the ceiling. So for me, it's it's going to be different every single time. So if it's, a, if it's a scenario like last night where, you know, if you're telling me I can get Giannis and Michael Porter – versus maybe two mid-range guys. Obviously, I know this is speaking in hindsight, so it's a little bit – sounds it might sound a little bit, you know, like I have like a more clear-cut resolution, but um, I do think it all depends on how you view the ceilings for these guys, and it's going to change every single time. So I, I wouldn't lock yourself into making um, one kind of stand on that. You know, I think it's ownership's going to uh, – you say the ownership's the same on them. Um, I think – that that's always going to change. I think you can always even find if you're looking for two mid tier guys, you can always find a guy with lower ownership. So I'm not gonna. I, I would say my my suggestion would be to not lock yourself into one defined uh, answer on that question. I think that would be the best way to do it. Um, you say your options were um, Giannis and Morris, Tayton and Rubio. So yeah, obviously Tayton and Rubio and would have been a lot better. But you know there are going to be times where we saw the high end of Ricky Rubio and DeAndre Ayton, you know, maybe the, those mid-tier guys, maybe we get, you know, a middling result and they're both at 35, 40, you know, or maybe even less, maybe one of them has a bad game. So it's going to change every single time. So um, I, I would say just to not lock yourself into to one correct answer on that question. Uh, but yeah, so let's take a look at some of these specific, uh, specific contests here. We're going to take a look at the, uh, the $15 here. See who uh, ended up taking this thing down. So it looked like ending took this one down. It's a nice name. Um, so Ricky Rubio, Donovan Mitchell, Brandon Ingram, Derek Favors was actually a surprise play. It's kind of a surprise to see him have that monster game. I know some guys that I also, like I mentioned, view as top players were on him. And, you know, against the Utah Jazz, no Jalil Okafor. So that kind of helped feel like his minutes were a little bit more solidified. Um, 
We had, saw DeAndre or, DeAndre Ayton in the in the lineup, Michael Porter, Josh Hart, Damian Lee. We ended up having a monster game with some help from the overtime as well. And Donovan Mitchell. So really strong lineup there, obviously. He had 150 lineups. So it's interesting to see the guys who up here, 150, and then this guy had three right here. So I think that's always interesting. He got there with, with the Monty Morris. So, yeah, that's a pretty strong lineup as well. Um, so, yeah, I think I think right now, Devin, we can pull up the uh, the main lineup screen shares that we're going to show the screenshots for my lineups last night. We'll go over that real quick. Um, and then we're going to kind of look at that and how I made those decisions. And then we're going to compare them to some of these winning lineups here and see maybe where I went wrong or what I could have done better. So, uh, yeah, so on, on the left, we got the DraftKings lineup, I believe. Uh, so we're going to start with the DraftKings lineup. So 351 from my main DraftKings lineup. So clearly I was I wasn't even really close over here. 70 points off of off the first place prize here, which is obviously as a tournament player what you're looking for. So 70 points off there. Um obviously the Alfred Payton play was a little bit risky on my end. You know, Nilakina announced in, Marcus Morris announced in, but I kind of thought he'd be uh fairly contrarian. And I was for uh for clarification, I was mainly playing qualifiers over here trying to qualify for the live final for the NBA uh, championship. So I was trying to be a little bit contrarian and I knew Alfred Payton would kind of be that for me. Um, So obviously that was kind of where I mainly went wrong over here on this lineup. So obviously this is a spot where I got two mid-tier guys and they didn't really pay off. So maybe if I would have punted one of them, maybe go down to, you know, another value guy that I liked and then spend up. So obviously that's back to that question by Seth that these are going to change every single time. So um Mitchell Ingram and Giannis were three guys that I was high on all around um I had those guys in my my Fanduel lineup as well nothing really surprising by that they were pretty popular players uh Ingram was pretty low owned over on Fanduel but um yeah I think those are three pretty pretty strong plays and obviously the uh Utah New Orleans game going in overtime was nice for um Ingram and Mitchell both had monster games over 40 points so um yeah, like I mentioned, from the beginning, I kind of viewed Donovan Mitchell as the clear-cut lock of the day on FanDuel. Um, you can see my FanDuel lineup as well. Put up 401 over there. Um, he was just he was just far too cheap for the matchup, what he does. Um, so 46 points for him, actually. So he was 6,600 over on FanDuel, so just far too cheap. So I kind of viewed him as the lock of the day. Um, for FanDuel specifically, I made the decision to pivot um, from – Lonzo Ball to uh to Ricky Rubio just strictly because of ownership. Lonzo Ball actually projected a little bit better than like a half a point better than Ricky Rubio, but Lonzo Ball also had a much higher ownership projection in uh, lineup HQ. So I made that pivot there. That ended up you know working out pretty well. And you could see my big downfall, my huge downfall was Lou Williams here in this one. So it's another spot where, you know, if I maybe go down, spend down and maybe go to a guy like Josh Hart, who I had some interest in, who was a really chalky play that I was kind of trying to get away from. Um, Lou Williams came in low on, which is kind of what I was looking for. Only ended up playing 24 minutes and, you know, really struggled in this game against Orlando. He just didn't really get on the floor much. And when he was, wasn't really doing all too much. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of sums up my lineup. Another reason I went with, uh, I kind of paired Lou and Vooch because, I, like I said, I viewed Aiton as a really high-owned guy. I liked him a, a pretty good amount, but he was kind of the decision that I had to make to fade, um, just trying to get different a little bit. And obviously, that came back to uh, haunt me a little bit. 
Aiton was you know, nearly 40% in some of those contests over there on FanDuel. So that was a decision that I made that really hurt me. Um, yeah, so Rich says Tobias will be chalk on FanDuel. Yeah, I agree with that. I'll probably be chalky uh, across the industry, across all sites. So um, we'll talk about some chalk guys that we might be looking to fade a little bit in, uh, for tonight's slate in a little bit. But yeah, so if there's nothing else for my lineups, we can go back to results DB here. If you guys have any questions about why I made what decision I made in those lineups, I'll, I'll be happy to answer them. Um, like I mentioned, the, the Fando one was at 401. That was the total on that one. I cashed in some contests and some contests I didn't. The cash line was extremely high last night. So that was a definitely a weird night where, you know, smaller slate, chalk hits. We're going to see extremely high scores. Two overtime games on a five-game slate is going to lead to massive scores. So, um, yeah. So any questions on that, I'll be happy to answer those. And if not, we can compare some of those to um, – we're going to go to a different contest, but we can compare those to some results, DBs. Yeah. For, yeah, 440. If someone told you you scored 440, Jack, you'll be like, okay, let's let's see what I won. But, yeah, 440 uh, didn't even get the job done last night. So it was a, definitely a crazy night. Let's take a look at this this three-entry, um, $200 three-entry max Chipotle addict. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who that is or if you've heard of him. But, yeah, he uh, ended up taking this thing down with no Giannis. So that's a, that's an interesting build right here. Um, obviously, he had a lot of really strong mid-tier plays. Got Aiden, Ingram, Bogdanovich, Mitchell, and Kemba in there. So, I mean, when you have four guys around 60 or over 60, you don't necessarily need that stud. So, um, yeah, definitely a really strong lineup. And here you can see, like, my personally, my lineup, I had Mitchell, Porter, uh, Morris, Ingram as well. Just didn't – I kind of missed on some some particular plays like Lou Williams. Missed on that one pretty, uh, pretty hard. So, yeah. Are there any major differences between the two sites in terms of your strategy? Um, I think they're – there is. Uh, I think for me personally on FanDuel, ownership is a little bit more clear cut. It's easier to define for me because, you know, you don't have the the dual position eligibility. So I think um, strategy based on complete ownership, making pivots is, just feels a little bit easier for me over there. Um, but other than that, for, for based on NBA, there isn't any specific strategy that jumps out as different compared to the two sites. I mean, it's still kind of the same game you're playing. It's just kind of a little bit different rules with the, uh, the with the positions. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's anything glaring. That's a, a major strategy. Obviously, this year it's a little bit different. Last year there was a huge strategy difference with the drop score. Um, but we don't have that this year. I wish we still had the drop score. but um, So I would say no glaring difference in strategy between the two sites. Um, yeah, so let's we can go back and look at ownership and see if we find any – edges on so we can look at some of these top guys here um we'll find one more guy let's see here we'll look at ap's ownerships so yeah these are some ownerships from the so petty theft and ap are two of the guys that i think are really strong dfs players chipotle addict is the, the winner of the contest so we'll look at these three here so um chipotle actually only 66 percent um michael porter while these other two guys locked him in uh, looks like Pat, looks like AP only had one lineup, so um, we'll pull up someone else. Actually, pull up McLevin. All right, so Petty Theft locked two guys in: Donovan Mitchell, Michael Porter. Which I think that was a, a really a strong way to go. You know, th- those guys were just really really good plays overall, and uh, so locking them in makes a lot of sense. So we'll look at guys that they were over over the field on. Daniel Tice is a guy who um, 
I had in my main DraftKings lineup. And these guys were over the weight, over overweight the field on them, on him. So I think he was a pretty good value play. Blender brought him up in Discord chat prior to the slate locking, uh, kind of saying he was just uh, a nice steady piece in the middle of a lineup where you know a lot of the the top options weren't really at center. Obviously, Aiden ended up being a top option at center, but other than that, there really weren't a whole lot of really nice options at center. So Daniel Tice provided a nice little, a nice little comfortable piece in your lineup there for a very cheap price on DraftKings at, at center. Um, Petty was over the weight, overweight the field on D'Angelo Russell. He was the guy that I was talking about when I mentioned a lot of correlation between Michael Porter and, you know, Will Barton with D'Angelo Russell and whatnot. So that made a lot of sense for him to be high on uh, D'Angelo Russell. Um, he had no DeAndre Ayton. So um, that was a, that was obviously something that I was similar with. I, I just thought that was a, a point where I could fade that and obviously didn't work for either of us, but um, looking at some more ownerships where they were highest on seeing if we compare these to, you know, the field. I'm trying to just see if there's any glaring, interesting kind of notes that we can make here um, to probably add hundred percent on Brandon Ingram. Um, obviously one of the top players of the slate, 69 points. Really, uh, really nice score there. Um, but yeah, other than that, Chipotle being 100% on Kemba and 100% on Ingram, I, I mean, obviously that's going to be a, a very strong indicator that you're going to have a good day when you have two of the top players and you locked them in in your, in your three max lineup. So um, this is a three max. Keep that in mind. It's not a 150. Um, we can go back and look at 150 and see where some people went and see if there were any plays that maybe I missed out on. Maybe we should have been a little bit higher on. Um, but, yeah. Um, look at these three right here. So these three all had pretty strong finishes as well in the top four. So um, so Petty Theft was really low under the field on Monty Morris. So that's a ended up being a really strong call by him. He was – a player that, you know, we saw Papa Gates 97%, Newt Kyle 80%. Uh, a lot of guys really, really high on Monty Morris in their, in their you know, builds and their exposures. Um, so getting that leverage for him was a, was a nice addition there. Um, Kemba Walker, 58%. Daniel Tice was a guy people were, were pretty high on, um, like I mentioned. Yeah, I think overall there were no other – I feel like there were no other players that we really didn't mention. Dario Sarch was a guy that I mentioned in Discord chat as well as being a nice pivot off of guys like Jeremy Grant or Michael Porter. Obviously, hopefully you didn't pivot off Michael Porter or Sarch, but maybe playing them together, it would have been a would have been a strong play. He was a underowned and really low, really cheap. So twenty five fantasy points in that game against the uh, the Knicks was pretty nice. Yeah, definitely. That's a good point. I mean, I just wanted to pull up the, the main winners contest or the main winners um, lineups to see what their main lineups were like. Um, just kind of seeing if who they locked in because you can tell a lot by who people locked in. Obviously, there aren't going to be nights where people lock players in and, you know, seeing who people had 100% on is is a good way to determine who the obvious plays were and also we we can see guys like Jan, or uh, Kemba Walker and, and Brandon Ingram being locked in by some of these top players and know that these were two of the top, you know, mid-tier plays of the day. So, yeah. Um, if there's no more questions about last night, I think that's going to cover it for last night's uh, little recap. I'll, uh, 
I'll give chat a couple uh, a couple minutes to kind of look at this summary and then I'll also ask a few questions about last night's slate and then I'll jump into talking about today's slate. Uh, Lippy says, hey, Kyle, if you had multi-projection sources, is there a way in lineup HQ to get an average of the same three different sources without having to? And I don't believe so. Uh, I don't think you can do an aggregate um, in lineup HQ. You could do it, like you mentioned. I know you don't want to have to go into Excel, but you could go into an Excel, you know, generate the aggregate, and then upload them back into Roto-Grinders lineup HQ. But I don't think there's a way to do it um, to import three and have them spit out an average of those three projections. So, um, unfortunately, I don't think we can do that. I, I personally, I do aggregate sometimes in the in the uh, Excel sheet, and then I'll upload them back into Roto-Grinders lineup HQ. But I don't think they do it. I don't think it does it automatically. Yeah, the, the projections were, were money. I think I saw Blender mention that it was seven days straight um, in in the, optimi- the optimal lineup that, that cashed. So seven days straight, I believe he mentioned, was the highest streak so far this season. So, yeah, the uh, the the projections have been absolutely money, and you, gotta, you guys got to get on these. So um, I believe it was Seth. No, it was Bazinga that mentioned. Did, did, um, did Dozier have any? Let's see. Did Dozier have any ownership? He was 19%. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I knew a lot of people that were, were on it. I know if you if you guys follow Big T on, on Twitter, he made a nice little tweet about P.J. Dozier. So, yeah. I think um, I think I was a little bit surprised myself by Malik Beasley, um, you know, getting the minutes that he did get. I, I don't think if you looked at, how they they ran their lineups last year at all you would be that surprised but considering in the game prior where Jamal Murray got hurt he only played six minutes I was definitely shocked to see him go out there and play all those minutes play the entire overtime close all that stuff but you know he was on fire he could not miss a three and he was he was playing great defense you know getting steals left and right so um yeah Jack says, Mr. Play, whoever you want plays optimal. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I, I would say, you know, he is a little bit different in basketball, I think, especially in cash. He uh, he loves his projections in um, in NBA. But, yeah, obviously I think these projections are a great guideline, and he he's the the key preacher for it when he, he mentions all the right points where these projections are a guideline. They're, they give you a basis for things, and they're really strong for, for cash and whatnot. But in, in tournaments, it does kind of come down to – kind of being different. So when he says play wherever you want, that's kind of what he means. I I think if I had to kind of uh, guess, but he's, he'll talk about it enough. You'll hear it. So it wasn't a complete disaster playing a little in hindsight though. Beasley has gotten the minutes in the past. Yeah, you're right. If you look in the past, he has gotten the minutes. I think the thing a lot of people made the mistake on was looking at the recent, the recent game with Jamal Murray getting hurt and seeing PJ Dozier play. I think it was 14 minutes all in the second half after Murray got hurt. Um, I know a lot of a lot of places had him at a decent minutes projection, uh, Dozier that is, and you know I I was a little bit lukewarm on Dozier. I didn't have any Dozier myself, but um, yeah, I mean I don't see I don't see a problem with people projecting the minutes to Dozier there. I really don't think that was too much of an issue. Um, so Seth asks. Since the projections have been so good, is there a reason to not just play the optimizer? Honestly, in cash, no, there's really not. I mean, 
that's kind of what you want to do for cash. You want to play optimal lineups and you want to be consistent with your, with your optimal lineups. Um, and I think over the time, if you trust your projection source, which, you know, with all the history that we've shown and all the, all the data that blender has been providing with the success that these uh, projections have been having, I think you can continue to do that in cash. I mean, I don't blame anybody for wanting to do things on their own, maybe make your own projections, have your own projections or whatever, or whatever you want to do. But um, yeah, I think at this point, and cash just keep firing them in there man all right we're gonna move on to today's slate we're gonna look in you know we're gonna go over lineup hq get a feel for how i kind of get an idea for the day slate so obviously i think it's a seven seven game slate so we're just gonna go position by position kind of talk about some ownership that pops out and i'll talk some strategy and then you guys can uh, ask questions and i'll answer all those questions as i go so uh, i'm just gonna start sorting everyone by ownership and we're going to talk about whether we think this ownership is, you know, warranted or not pretty much. And then we'll go over some of the other tools that I use. And in this last half hour or so, we'll, we'll talk about some uh, DVA. We'll talk about the situation room, um, talk about some of the projections and, and whatnot. Actually, we're going to start off with the situation room. Um, so we're going to talk about some injuries here. Obviously, these are huge. In NBA, I, in NBA, I truly feel like being able to adjust to uh, injury news is the most important thing you can really do. Uh, obviously, projections are huge. Um, lineup building is huge. All that stuff, contest selection, all the same stuff is is huge. But injury reporting and you know finding news, finding an edge on news. So like last night, if you're able to find an edge on the Nuggets rotation, Malik Beasley was a great edge. If you're able to do that, it's a it's a huge uh, leg up in these in these contests. So um, we're gonna talk about some injury reports. So obviously. Uh, we got Alan Lem on these ones here today. He, he updated this one five minutes ago, actually. So these are nice and updated for you guys. So Cat, obviously questionable per usual. Apparently the last two months, it feels like he's been questionable. It's a knee, I think, and also a sickness. Um, so I think I saw that he was a game time decision now. So obviously if he's out, Jang will get the start. And then you know, Nazareth will back him up, as Alan says here in these notes. I think um, Andrew Wiggins would be pretty interesting, and also Jang would be probably one of the nice little value-ish centerpieces on the on the slate. And he's someone that I'm kind of hoping for to have uh, based on just early lineup construction. He's a guy that I think would be pretty important for me, and I think he'd be a nice little addition to to my player pool. Um, Embiid remains out, so we see the same usual bumps for guys like Tobias Harris, like uh, like Chad mentioned earlier, how he should be he should be fairly popular. Um, yeah, we'll see boost to him. We'll see boost to Horford, Richardson, Simmons, Matisse Thibel started, and you know, he had a pretty strong game with, with steals and blocks. Uh, so obviously, you can't count on that every game, but he's playing the Bulls, so you never know. Um, Porzingis was expected to at least come close to playing in their last game. Um, now he is somewhat questionable, I guess. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what they're going to do with him here in this one. Thought they played would play him last game, so since they didn't play him there, a little bit um, worrisome. Don't know when he's going to be back. So obviously, if he plays today, we'll take away a guy like Kleber. But overall, I don't think it affects too much. It will take away some usage from uh, Luca, but overall, I don't really think it affects too much. I think those these guys on Dallas either have value or don't stand alone from Porzingis, you know, being out there or not. Uh, so Wendell Carter still out. This one's actually interesting because Gafford is out too. So. Uh, I mean, Allen nailed it right here. Luke Cornett could be 
you know, in for a, a big day due to the minutes. I think he played 35. Yeah, so 35 minutes. So, look, Alan Lamb's just stealing all the thunder. You can't even, you know, you don't even need knowledge when you're just looking at this thing. All, all of it's there for you. Um, so, yeah, Cornette it should be in for some big minutes, but also Thaddeus Young could get a few more minutes, and we know that he is a, a typically a good permanent guy. So I would say those two guys could be at least someone to keep your eye on uh, and somewhat tough matchup here against Philly, but, you know, they're going to be out there for the minute, so that's always nice. All right, uh, Jay Crowder. If Jay Crowder sits here, I think there are two guys that stand out, and, you know, Alan Lemp's got him in here. Uh, it's Dylan Brooks and Anthony Melton. I like Dylan Brooks a pretty good amount here in this game against Cleveland. Uh, he could get a significant bump in in usage, as well as his minutes just feel a lot safer. You know, he'll be around 32, 33 probably. So, you know, the minutes will feel pretty solid with uh, Dylan Brooks there. We saw De'Anthony Melton get out there for a few extra minutes last game with Crowder out as well, um, as Alan outlines here. So he could be a, a stronger play too if, if Crowder sits. Um, trying to note the uh, important ones here. Tyler Hero could be somewhat important. We saw Hero sit and Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, and Duncan Robinson get some upticks. Duncan Robinson played 40 minutes in that last game. Uh, 39 or 40. So this played a ton of minutes. Um, so he's someone to at least keep, keep an eye out on for value purposes. Kendrick Nunn should probably be, um, could be pretty popular, I should say. Um, if Hero sits here after he had a, a massive game, 33 real life in the bucket points, as Dean would call them. Um, but yeah, Goran Dragic, same kind of deal. He could be a nice little mid-range target if uh, Hero sits. Even if he plays, he could be a nice um, mid-range target. I think that covers it for the significant injuries. Jeff Teague got traded. I believe that was yesterday, but um, he's not he's not playing in this one. So uh, Alan Crabb is just going to be out for the, the Hawks. Don't think that really changes too much. And they'll have to worry about what Jeff Teague is going to do to this rotation when he plays. All right. Um, so Lip asks, thoughts on OKC? You really love them tonight. Also love Gallinari. Uh, OKC, I, I think, is in a tough spot here. There are a couple guys that I like. I don't really love to target Miami. You know, they play good defense. They play slow. OKC is kind of a, a slower team as well. So this game shouldn't be too great for DFS purposes. But um, I, I like Jimmy Butler. You mentioned him in your in their chat as well. So I like Jimmy Butler a little bit. And there's one guy that, that sticks out for me when, I, when we talk about OKC, and that's Schroeder. Um, looking at pricing. So this is Fando pricing for now. We'll hop back and forth between the two. But we see Shea Gildas is at 7-2. And then Dennis Schroeder is at 5-3. So you get a nearly $2,000 uh, discount for Schroeder. And their rates are somewhat similar. Um, the minutes on, on Shea Gilgis, Alexander, are obviously a lot safer. But when you look at the, the rates, the per minute stuff, the usage, they're pretty, they're pretty similar. And then if you go even deeper into it and you look at assists and rebounds, they're pretty similar as well. I mean, that might change now that Shea Gilgis had, I think, a million rebounds in his last game. What was it? Let's see here. Oh, no, two games ago, 20 rebounds in 10 assists. Those rates might be completely different now. But, yeah, I, I would prefer Schroeder. I think Schroeder is actually a, de- a decent value play, um, five points per dollar um, in the lineup HQ right now. So I think that's a a pretty good play for me from from a value perspective, saving a little bit of uh, a little bit of money there. Butler is dead to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he was interesting last game. Uh, I actually almost, almost played him over – I think it was Levine last time he played – I, I just won't give up on him yet. I do think he is uh, an interesting play. And obviously we saw the absolute ceiling game from Kendrick Nunn, both shooting and and usage-wise. So I think, you know, maybe don't give up on him yet, especially if Hero's out again. That does open up a few extra shots. So um, 
I get though I, that feeling of of you're just never gonna play a player again. It's gonna happen a lot, you know. It's gonna happen a lot in, in DFS when you play every night or when you're when you play regularly. You're gonna get burned by guys, and you're gonna say, "I'm never going back to them." But you know, you gotta just try to stay the course. All right. So talking about point guards here, I'm gonna break down the positions using uh, Fanduel stuff because the positions are a little bit more clear cut, and you can get a feel for how the public feels on these guys based on their position. Um, a little bit better, in my opinion, on FanDuel. Obviously, on DraftKings, the ownership is going to be a little bit different. So um, we'll talk about it for FanDuel purposes. So the most popular point guard of the day, Luca. No surprise there. He's the top stud of the, of the slate. And you're looking at pricing. It's either him or Trey Young as far as guys that are even priced near each other. And then next is Hassan Whiteside. Who would have ever thought we'd be saying that, um, that Hassan Whiteside would be priced near Luca and Trey Young. But, yeah, so Luca's top stud of the day. Gonna be very popular. Um, should be pretty tough to to get away from him here. Obviously, a good matchup against Portland. He's gonna have some, you know, some pretty weak defense. Uh, high total, two twenty eight over under. So uh, Luca's a really strong play. Ben Simmons, twenty eight percent. Ben Simmons pops out as a guy who not easy to fade, but he's easier to fade because there's so many ways to to get off of him. So. Um, you can go to Richardson, you can go to Tobias, you can go to Horford, you can pivot off of guys on his own on his same team and you know be a little bit contrarian in that way. Um, I do think Simmons does get a nice bump. I just and he can do things, you know, other than just score. So it's a little bit different. But I think Ben Simmons at twenty eight percent might be a guy that I'm looking to fade a little bit um at twenty eight percent. If he's gonna be the second highest owned uh point guard here on FanDuel and then you know, I know he's a, a nice little discount off of a guy like Trey Young, but I, I think you can maybe maybe find ways to get both Luka and Trey in your lineup. Um, is Tobias going to be value or bad value? I'll uh, I'll censor that for you. But um, or sorry, Diable, not Tobias. Um, I think Diable is going to be probably he's going to be value, but I don't know how good it's going to be. I think there will be better options on the slate. Yeah, and, and Jag kind of mentioned that he is pretty reliant on steals and blocks. And I, like I mentioned it uh, in, the, in the injury report breakdown, he's a guy who needs those, but it's, it's Chicago, so maybe they'll come. All right, um, Chris Paul, third highest owned uh, point guard. Another guy who I might be looking to fade here. Um, I would much rather play Malcolm Brogdon in a way better matchup at cheaper price tag um, and lower ownership. So, yeah, I would I would much rather prefer Brogdon. I think he's a direct pivot off of Chris Paul on, on FanDuel, and I think he's a better play um, for me personally. I think he has. You know, we've seen Brogdon play pretty well. The minutes have you know been okay, considering he came back from a pretty long uh, injury stint, thirty three and then thirty, and he played Minnesota in his last game as well too. So, um, I think Brogdon would be a play that I prefer there. But yeah, if you guys have any questions about the slate or strategy or anything like that. Shoot them in the Discord chat. Um, I'll answer those. I'm look. I'm trying to look at both the free chat and the NBA chat. So um, if you have any questions in those, I'll uh, I'll answer them. All right. So people are asking if it's on YouTube. So we're still blocked from YouTube. Um, I, I apparently, De- uh, Devin's just doing something wrong because he can't get us free from the YouTube authorities. So. Um, we're going to need Devin to step up his lawyering skills so we can, uh, get free from YouTube. Um, but yeah, for now on, we're just on the RG page. So I just mentioned that in the NBA chat. So 
yeah, hopefully we'll get the YouTube strike out of our, out of the picture here pretty soon. But Norman Powell, someone I'm looking at for Toronto. Uh, I think Powell is someone to at least monitor. Um, he could be hampered by that injury still, you know, came back over the last two games. We saw him only play 26 minutes last time out. Uh, he was a guy that was typically playing more minutes. Um, so maybe he is still limited by the injury a little bit, but um, I don't know. I would probably wouldn't love it there. I think it might depend on uh, lineup construction a little bit. Yeah, we were try- we were actually trying to get on Twitch, but you know there were a little bit of uh, technical difficulties getting over there. So um, yeah, from now on, just on the RG page, but it should be it should be open to everybody, and that way we got the easy Discord chat to use. So yep. All right. So if you guys have any questions on uh, strategy or anything, I'll answer. I'll try to answer the player questions as well. But I'm if we can talk about strategy, I think that'd be a good way to start the day. Obviously, you know, I could, I could talk about picks and stuff, whatnot right now, but um, it is very early in the day. So things could change. Um, injury news could happen. Lineup constructions could change. So um, if we talk about strategy, I think that would be a little bit more beneficial to, to everybody here. So um, thoughts on LMA for 6,600. Yeah. Um, so f- you're going to find that FanDuel recently has been experiencing a lot of issues where, their pricing on guys have just been dropping after a couple bad games. And I think that's a, a pretty nice way to, to jump on things for FanDuel. Um, and, you know, we saw it last night with Donovan Mitchell. We've seen it with guys like Bradley Beal, who was, his price was just dropping because of injury. He was just not playing and he was, his price was dropping. So LMA appears to be in one of those situations. Here you can see 46% ownership. Um, so I think he is a good play at that price. Um, 46%, don't love that, but, you know, he is a probably going to grade out as a as a really strong per dollar guy. When you're looking at point per dollar, he's the second best play on the slate, right behind Tobias. So you can see why these two guys are going to be the two chalky two of the chalkiest plays on the entire slate. Um, all right, so back to point guards here. We're going to sort by the RG value here. So Luca's number one. Ben Simmons is number two. So Ben Simmons is grading out pretty well based on his pro- uh, projection. But the ownership, I just think you can go elsewhere on that um, and just be different. I would rather eat the Luca chalk rather than the Ben Simmons chalk. So that's just my personal kind of thoughts on the point guard position. A um, couple of point guards that stand out to me are John Morant. I think John Morant's a pretty interesting play. Um, you know, you you able to be contrarian here with with two guys like John Morant and Trey Young um you know getting these guys at eight and five percent I think that's just a really opportune opportune situation for you know for you especially when you're looking at the FanDuel pricing I think John Morant seven eight price tag isn't ideal but we've seen him just be so dynamic in the minutes that he plays we saw him finally get 36 minutes in that last one um if it's a close game I think I feel more comfortable saying okay maybe he will get those you know, mid thirties minutes and earlier in the year, I did not feel that way. So S Adams asked, hi Kyle, when, when you do groups slash stacks and want, for example, to have Simmons and Levine in lineups with one of young or Cornette, but not both secondary players, would you do a build like that? Or is that typically too detailed for your liking? Um, I don't think that's too detailed. I think that's pretty strong. I think for me personally, um, I would do two. I would probably just do it with saying, okay, I either want, uh, Thaddeus Young or Cornette um, I probably because if you do that I think you'll find your lineups will have 100% obviously Simmons and, and Levine 
uh, if you're asking if they if they have Simmons and Levine, then only have one of Young or Cornet. I think that's a really good idea, and that makes for a nice little mini game stack. I would just uh, I would be careful that you're not saying oh lock in Levine and Simmons because then you'd have 100% of those guys, and you would lead to having probably like 60, 70% of the other two guys. One of the other two guys is John Morant on a 30 minutes limit. I don't think it's a, a limit anymore. I think you know in games where maybe it's not close or you know games where they don't need to run them out there for a ton of a ton of minutes um we've seen like a soft limit i guess but in close games we've seen him get up there 33 and 36 over two of the last three games so i feel better about his chances to get in the mid 30s early in the year i didn't think it was a possibility at all earlier in the year i thought he was somewhat limited but now it feels like the possibility is there um I believe Van Vliet is back. I think he's still questionable, um, according to the uh, – so, yeah, chance to return today. But he is still questionable, so just keep your eye out on that. Obviously, if Van Vliet plays, that is going to hurt guys like Powell and, and Anobi. But um, he's been out a while, too, so he could be limited, and it's a hamstring injury. So just keep out, keep an eye out on all the reports. Um, Kyle, what's your favorite under-the-radar one – one one stack so uh, i'm just going to kind of to kind of try to answer that in a general sense rather than um slate specific for today i can do both if you guys want but um for a general sense for me personally my favorite one one to one stack is using a guy who um potentially so i'll use an example from last night um a guy like Jokic or a guy like Giannis and pairing them with a guy on the other side because these are guys in order to you know max out on that price tag, um, it would be a really good opportunity to bring it back with someone saying this game needs to stay close for this guy to really hit his full minutes potential and obviously his projection potential. So um, that would be probably my favorite one-to-one stack. So for today, for example, maybe a stack like Trey Young with LaMarcus Aldridge, who obviously LaMarcus Aldridge is going to be very popular, so 46%. But, you know, if he's going to be out there, he's an old man. So if he's going to be out there the entire game, it's going to have to be a close game. And if this game's close, it's probably going to be a guy like Trey Young, maybe maybe John Collins, but I would guess probably Trey Young keeping this game close. And that way we got one guy that's extremely low-owned, and then we got a guy who, in the Marcus Aldridge, who is extremely underpriced. Uh, back to last night for just a second. I could have easily gone from Giannis and Morris to Rubio Ayton but would it have made sense from a construction standpoint to have Kemba Tice with no Giannis or to have Rubio Aiton with no Knicks? Um, so for me, I thought Rubio and Aiton with no Knicks was perfectly fine. And I, I also think Kemba and Tice with no Giannis is perfectly fine. Um, I would pre- I would have preferred to have, you know, obviously Kemba and Giannis, but it doesn't appear that your lineup could have done that. So for me personally, um, I'm just going to say the way that I thought Aiton and, and Rubio were priced uh, last night, I thought that it was okay to play those guys together with no Knicks. Um, plus, you know, it's all going to depend on how they hit their price tag. So it's tough to answer because I don't know the rest of your lineup. But for me, I think playing a guy like Tice with Kemba is okay because the price on Tice is so cheap that he they could both get there, which they both did. And obviously the same thing happened for uh, Rio and Aiden. So I think they both, it both makes sense. And I think they're, that both would have been both of those options would have been fine. Uh, Danny says he finds GPPs easier on FanDuel also because you know the chalk because of positional restrictions. I totally agree. And also I, I think my brain just, you know, is used to FanDuel's um, structure 
And whenever I go on DraftKings, I get a little bit of haywire. I, I have a little bit of a panic attack with all the guys that I can play in different spots. And, yeah, ownership's a, a totally different game over on DraftKings with all the guys you can play in a bunch of different spots. Um, yeah, what's up, Mark? Uh, looks like you're a little late, Mark. I don't know, man. You said you were going to be here bright and early, and uh, your first message is at 11.50. I'm a little bit disappointed, but, yeah. Uh, good morning to you as well. Hopefully we can uh, have a pretty good slate here. I got about – I think we'll be here for like 10 more minutes, so I'll just try to answer your guys' questions, and we can close out here and um, yeah, talk about a little bit of tonight's slate, a little bit of uh, general GPP tactics or strategy. And, yeah, w- while we're doing that, let's go ahead and look over some of these uh, DVA tools, see if anything jumps out here. Uh, we'll look at point guards. Actually, we've talked enough about point guards. So, yeah, I mean – Obviously, the guy like Van Vliet's going to have a pretty strong matchup here. I'll leave that up on the screen while I look for questions. Uh, no worries, Mark. I'm just messing with you. But, yeah, DeMar DeRozan's another guy in a really good matchup. So, obviously, he gets to play Atlanta. These numbers are going to look really strong um, in terms of the DBA. I think anything is going to look good when you're going against Washington or Atlanta. Um, I'm pretty sure all the numbers, all the matchup stuff is going to look really strong. So, um yeah, I'm not seeing anything else that really pops up as a, an exceptional matchup for guys that um, wouldn't typically have them. This is a little bit different. Uh, let's go here to – yep, I think everything is pretty much as you guys would expect here for the DBA matchups. Sometimes we'll see something where maybe it's a tough matchup. So, for example, um, Chicago is typically a, a tough or tough-ish matchup. So maybe some like so seeing Chicago being a good DVA matchup despite them being a pretty strong defensive team, I think that's pretty interesting. Those are the things that I kind of look for when using DVA. So you know here against big men, Al Horford is technically in a in a really strong spot here despite the Chicago matchup being somewhat tough because of you know Chicago's good defensive efficiency numbers. Who's my favorite play on Fanduel? Um, Tough question. I would I would probably say, you know, I really like Trey Young tonight. I think he's pretty interesting. Um, another guy that I like a lot is Pascal Siakam. I think ownership is going to kind of depend on where I fall for Siakam there. Uh, I'll probably feel a little bit – he looks to be pretty popular, so I, I would lean Trey Young. But I think Siakam's pretty interesting. He's probably going to be somewhat popular, though. So uh, he is a little bit iffy considering some of these minutes – you know, I don't know how many minutes he's going to get here in this one against Washington coming off the injury. He's only played two games. Looks like he could be possibly limited to 30 minutes. And um, in a game against Washington, they might not run him out there too much. All right. Um, so moving on to, let's see here. So we're going to close out here in the next uh, five minutes or so. And um, so, yeah, if you guys can throw in your last few questions, I'll talk about those and then we can, uh, Get out of here. Let's see what else we can look at while you guys are throwing in your questions. Um, we'll refresh lineup HQ and see if we can see anything. If it's been updated or not. All right, so it's been updated, actually. Ownership was updated five minutes ago, so... Let's take a look at the Siakam ownership, 28%. So I think that's actually okay ownership. Um, it's going to all depend on how comfortable you feel with those minutes. Let's see if there's any other updates to projections. 
Deontay Murray's a guy that's pretty interesting here at four nine at point guard, really cheap price tag. Uh, I'll just outline some guys that I, I find pretty interesting in these last two minutes before I get on out of here. If you guys don't have any other questions, so yeah, four nine price tag against Atlanta for only fourteen percent too. I think that's pretty interesting. Sometimes we'll see a guy like this uh, in a really strong matchup get extremely popular, and that's kind of a, an opportunity to fade. I think especially a guy like Murray, who the minutes are very up and down. So I do think it's a good play. And if he maybe gets up in ownership, could be a good fade. So that's a, a spot where ownership completely determines what kind of play a guy really is. <laughs> Important. Why does Stevie call Hashimura Hashimurera? <laughs> I honestly don't know. I mean, there there have been a couple times where he uh, he called him that, and I, I just don't want to – I'm not going to be the one to break the news to him. So if you want to hit him up on Twitter, you should do that and let him know that uh, he's getting that one wrong. And, Maybe it's because he's injured. He hasn't been out there in a while. He hasn't heard the name in a while. We'll, we'll give him a little bit of a, a break on that one. But, yeah, I think that's going to do it, guys. Thanks for tuning into the pregame show, uh, my first one. So, hopefully, my, uh, my next one, we can get out here and do, that, do the same thing. Uh, good talking some NBA with you guys. And hopefully, you all have a, a strong slate. Make sure you're checking out all the, uh, all the tools you guys can find. Lineup HQ, DBA, Situation Report, um, turning into Grinders Live later, and uh, all the expert rankings. Should be a good slate, and uh, hopefully everyone has a great Friday.